welcome to Migration, Movement and Modernity, Understanding Migration in the Modern World. On today's episode, we dive into the topic of channel crossings, which has been one of fierce debate in the UK, exploring both the attitudes and academics surrounding the topic and migration in general. Your hosts today are me, Tilly Jennings. I go by the pronouns she, her, and I am an undergraduate student of politics and international relations. Me, Catherine Taylor, go by the pronouns she, her, and I'm also a undergraduate student of politics and international relations. Uh, me, Jack Pownall, uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm a politics student at Greenwich. Today we will be discussing the oversimplified understanding of the migratory experience that is prevalent in domestic attitudes to channel crossings, and whether traditional academic offerings help explain this mode of migration. There has been an increase of channel crossings since the European migration crisis, which we can see has been reflected in domestic politics. Yeah, the Institute for Public Policy Research reported that in 2018 there were around 300 crossings, which by 2021 had risen by nearly uh, to nearly 30,000. Despite 94% of those arriving claiming for asylum, the stigma of migrants as purely economically motivated, or as often touted in the media, as job stealers still remains. Uh, Particularly in the UK, there does seem to be a lack of understanding of the migratory experience, especially when it comes to refugees. Yeah, I think we can definitely see that through the narratives that surrounded the Brexit campaign. Yeah, that's true. And even more recently, um, with Suella Braverman, her address to the House of Commons, we can see these attitudes are still percolating. This lack of understanding towards migration isn't answered either in traditional academic offerings, The most notable of these are functionalist perspectives, um, which house push-pull and neoclassical theories, which are both economically biased, viewing migrants as rational actors motivated solely by economics and a cost-benefit way up. These ideas about migration being a rational decision is theoretically oversimplified, failing to understand the plethora of reasons that people migrate. This is clear uh, when looking at channel crossings, because this theory just doesn't explain the diverse and challenging experiences that those migrating across the English Channel have. In Lee's A Theory of Migration, he critiques this understanding of migrants as rational actors who make a cost-benefit way up. This is really clear when we look at asylum seekers and refugees who are clearly not making a rational decision to migrate. Instead, it's a decision made out of necessity. And by looking at these traditional theories, we can see that there's this oversimplification of the journey Um, and the decision of those who migrate. To add to this idea that migration isn't a rational choice, King noted that in the age of neoliberalism, migration is partly down to the individuals being foot soldiers of globalisation. But ultimately, migration is a result of decisions that have been made in corporate boardrooms and by governments and in military headquarters. Yeah, I definitely think with the conversation about migration in the UK being mostly to do with asylum seekers, I think... Um, we need to remember that these people aren't economic migrants in most cases. They are seeking asylum from persecution or war and those decisions, their decision to migrate or these scenarios that make them migrate aren't down to them. They're down to situations domestically in their own country or internationally that they don't have any you know, influence over. By 2021, the amount of displaced people around the globe uh, amounted to 89.3 million. And although these statistics have been consistently rising um, throughout the last decade, there are arguments put forward that those applying for asylum are not all genuine. Although there are definitely cases of this, the assumption that many asylum seekers are disingenuous is a dangerous one to make. 
In the case of those crossing the channel, we need to empathise with those fleeing from war or persecution and understand that this is not a place where a rational choice or cost-slash-benefit equation will come to play. Even acquiring correct documentation for a family can be near impossible. Yeah, especially if you're just in a situation um, where you're fleeing from war, it's going to be really difficult to get all the things you need to make a legal and um, complete application for asylum in a country. And this is really what's at the basis of this critique of uh, more classical migration theories. The popular traditional theories which we learn about in secondary school and whatnot don't do a great job of explaining the migratory experience um, of those crossing the channel, which is, or even crossing, you know, um, into European countries, which is the most, you know, common form of migration that we see today and what is being talked about. The economic rationale behind both push-pull and neoclassical theories assumes that migration is a rational experience. It's something that is planned and considered and decided upon, whereas, you know, it's clear from um, the channel crossings and the migration crisis of 2015 that this is really not the case. And by hopefully exploring this more in an academic sense, we can help um, kind of alter some of the attitudes around migration in the UK. Um Although I've said that, there are other theories that um, have tried to help explain migration across the channel. Um, Catherine, you know a lot about this, so the ball is yours. The world system theory is a more contemporary theory in comparison to the push-pull theory. Um, it asserts that states are part of economic systems, which are based on the exchanges in divisions of labour and the allocation of resources. Um, the theory also divides the world into core countries, which have higher skill and capital-intensive production, and the semi-periphery and periphery countries, which focus on low-skill, labour-intensive production and the, the extraction of raw materials. The world system theory has also been applied to migration studies with the aim of explaining the increase in migration by arguing that migration flows follow the expansion of world markets and the extension of capitalist economic relations from core states to periphery non-capitalist societies. Um, and the international flow of labour moves in the opposite direction of the international flow of goods. So this contemporary example of a migration theory, uh, can this be used to explain channel crossings? So yeah, there have been attempts to relate the world systems theory to understanding the increase of channel crossings in recent years. So um, Favel and Hansen argued the point that migration in Europe is in fact beginning to resemble more the scenario of labour market theorists who point out that self-regulating supply and demand factors as the ultimate determinants of why people move and to where they end up um, and they use the example that um, once an asylum seeker makes it to European soil because of the demand for low skilled and irregular workforces um, the likelihood of these asylum seekers to be removed from the countries that they've fled to is reduced um, and they also note how as a result of the networking within migrant communities and the people back in the countries that they've migrated from um, the ideas of opportunities in the countries that they've just relocated to um, in relation to the labour markets are spread, which further increases more migration to European countries, which can be related back to channel crossings. So does the theory take into account other factors um, of why people migrate apart from just capitalist flows? 
So there have been like critics of the theory that have described the limitations of it as um, only providing explanations for migration as a result of economic opportunities and capitalist growth, um, as well as it not taking into account historical, colonial, individual factors that have been shown to play a part in migration. Um, furthermore, people have also argued that it holds quite a Eurocentric and a pro-Western view. And just to add to that as well, the idea of it being quite Eurocentric, the vocabulary of the core and the peripheries is quite problematic. Um, even Wallerstein, the developer of the world systems theory, described the world to be too complicated to be, to be described as a bimodal system with just cores and peripheries on their own. So I guess, again, we have like this issue with, with world system theory that we have with neoclassical and push-pull, that these, they have these really strong economic bias, and because of this, they're not taking into account historical, colonial, individual factors, factors such as conflict and political persecution, which um, is really what is kind of at the core um, of channel crossings. I agree. Um... One conflict has played a major role in uh, the motivations for those people crossing to the UK via small boats in recent years. Um, but other theories do apply. I found that the dual labour market theory can explain um, migrants crossing the channels to get entry to the UK. The dual labour market theory suggests that there are two distinct labour markets within a society. A primary labour market that offers secure, well-paid employment opportunities and a secondary labour market that offers low-paid, precarious employment opportunities. In many cases, individuals who are excluded from the primary labour market due to factors such as race, ethnicity or immigration status are forced to seek employment in the secondary labour market. In short, dual labour market theory, much like neoclassical theory, explains migration by geographical differences in a supply and demand of labour. The resulting differentials in wages causes workers to move from low-wage labour surplus regions to high-wage labour scarce regions. So, although throughout this podcast we've critiqued other economic theories as explanations for asylum seekers crossing the channel, could dual labour market theory be used to explain others who have also decided to cross the channel? Uh, yeah, uh, good question. Absolutely they can. Um, in 2022, for example, um, a large majority of those uh, crossing by small boat to the UK were from Albania. Uh, an expert on the Balkans, when giving a speech to uh, members of parliament to the UK, suggests that up to 40% of those who leave Albania do so for economic purposes. And the Albanian ambassador to the UK himself told MPs that um, Albanian migrants come to the UK to seek out business opportunities. He also claimed that some pretend to be victims of modern slavery. Um, so this really could explain why some people in the UK have the perception that quite a large majority of those seeking asylum or refugee status are doing so illegitimately? Uh, it, it could do, yeah, but it's, it's a lot more complicated than it may seem. Um, uh, for example, in the situation of Albanian migrants to UK, many do leave their country to seek out economic opportunities, but once arrived in the UK, um, they find themselves in uh, a situation of what can be considered modern slavery. Right, OK, so... This, again, just reinforces this idea that we shouldn't paint those seeking refugee uh, refugee status here with a broad brush. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. However, 
it is uh, fair to say that um, when it comes to small boat crossings across the channel, uh, it's not everyone is uh, trying to claim asylum in the UK. So would you apply the dual market theory to small boat crossings on the whole, or is this, do you think, an isolated case? I'd say it's definitely an isolated case. Um, when it comes to Albanians, for example, um, they are generally crossing for economic purposes, um, which is the only situation where the dual labour market does apply. Um, however, in previous years, and likely in future ones, the largest portion of those crossing via small boat across the channel are doing generally so, so they can uh, claim asylum in the UK. Um, for example, in 2020, I think, uh, the majority of those crossing via small boat were from Iran, fleeing a regime which, if they returned to, they uh, would be persecuted for leaving it. Um, yeah, so again, um, really, uh, economic theories do provide some explanation for channel crossing to the UK, but there's a massive kind of gap where we're struggling to have, like, a clear explanation in a, in a theoretical sense. Uh, yeah, um, and if I was to say, I'd say push, push pull uh, does offer a decent explanation from my point of view. Um, there's there's a lot of pull in the UK, and uh, you know people leaving countries in uh, regions across the world do uh, find themselves here for one reason or another, and that would be the pull motivations. As explored earlier, I don't think these pull motivations are solely in the classical economic case of. Um, the UK having better economic opportunities but um, in another way that um, Lee has spoken about which is fam uh, familial ties, colonial ties um, as pool motivations for the UK and also for refugees in particular um, allowing to live in a country where you won't be persecuted is a massive pool factor for the UK. Uh, yeah, I agree, as there are a number of uh, good reasons for those people to choose the UK. Um, they may be reunited, re reuniting with family already living in the UK. Um, they may have English already as a second language um, instead of French. They, uh, they may have colonial ties to the UK. Um, otherwise, the conditions in France or elsewhere may have proven unsafe for them. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of reasons why people uh, move to the UK, even from... Um, European countries that they arrive in. So overall we can see that traditional economic theories of migration do help explain movements across the British Channel but they do not understand the motivations for refugees in a holistic sense. Perhaps by looking at migration with a more comprehensive view we may be able to change perceptions and therefore the treatment of the topic of migration in the UK. Thank you for tuning in to Migration, Movement and Modernity, Understanding Migration in the Modern World um, for this week's episode, which has been Channel Crossings.